0: Good morning. Greetings this morning to each of you in Jesus' name. As has already been noted this morning, this morning is our fall council meeting. And I thought I'd begin by just considering a little bit what that means, what, why we do this twice a year. We do this in preparation for our communion service, which is in two weeks, and we do it because we take seriously the admonition that Paul gives us in 1 Corinthians eleven twenty-seven through 29, where it says, Wherefore, whosoever shall eat this bread and drink this cup of the Lord unworthily shall be guilty of the body and blood of the Lord. But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup, For he that eateth and drinketh unworthily eateth and drinketh damnation to himself, not discerning the Lord's body. So here we have a call for self-examination before we partake of the communion service. Call for self-examination to be sure that there's nothing that would make us unworthy of participating in that service. And the reason is that the communion service is symbolic of participating in the broken body and shed blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. And for us to truly participate in that We can't come to that service with anything in our lives that would dishonor him or would pollute our lives with sin in any way. You know, Jesus was our sinless sacrifice so that we could have forgiveness and cleansing from sin. We don't just look to Christ for forgiveness. We come to him for cleansing as well. And so we should come, we should be striving to come to the communion service not just forgiven, but cleansed. Identifying with Christ and his perfect sinlessness his sinless sacrifice we should in no way be harboring anything any sin in our lives that should be fairly easy for us to think about that and to rationalize you know that that makes sense so that should be Uh, the goal of each of us. But the truth is that every one of us lives in a body of flesh and faces ongoing temptation and trials and things that threaten to lead us off the straight and narrow path and lead us into sin. You know, daily, we rub shoulders with other people and we... Have things happen that cause us to, we find ourselves struggling with our attitudes maybe. Uh, Attitudes that aren't Christ-like. Sometimes we find ourselves waning in our love and devotion for the Lord. Our commitment to Him isn't what it should be or what it used to be. Other times, there may be some old habits, maybe some things that we indulged in before we came to Christ that start creeping back into our lives. You know, these things are reality for every Christian because we live in fleshly bodies. We live in a sinful, imperfect world. Even though we we live by the Spirit, we're called to crucify the fleshly nature, those things still have a way of creeping into our lives and finding expression in our thoughts and our actions. And so... We need times of self-examination. We need times where we think about what's going on in my life, in my mind, in my relationships, etc. We need times to review and make sure that our lives are lining up with Christ and what he would have it how he would have us to live without some self examination at times we tend to drift. So, for our message this morning, I've been thinking about this for some time this morning and. When it came down to preparing, I felt led to go a little different direction than what I originally had had felt. And so, I'm going back to the Sermon on the Mount again, believe it or not, because there's a passage there that sometime back I was reviewing what I had left to go over in the Sermon on the Mount. and. This passage jumped out at me. I hadn't thought about council meeting morning, but when it came time to prepare for this message, and I really started thinking about it, my mind just kept going back. So I'd like to ask you to turn to Matthew 7. This is out of the chronological order that we've been going through looking at the Sermon on the Mount, but I figured it would be okay to jump ahead a little bit. So turn to Matthew chapter 7. I would like to read the first five verses here of Matthew 7. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye? But considerest not the beam that is in thine own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out, out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. This passage, a number of weeks ago, when I was looking ahead here in the Sermon on the Mount and read it, it grabbed my attention. These are very familiar verses. But it grabbed my attention because it, it made me think about how often I have been the hypocrite that Jesus was talking about. And I think if each one of us is honest, we'll admit that we have been there. But this starts out, it says, judge not that you be not judged. And you know, that is probably one of the most quoted verses from the Bible, at least quoted by people, most quoted by people who are trying to defend themselves against somebody challenging them to something, about something in their life. People are quick to say, you know, don't judge. But we need to consider here what Jesus was really saying. Jesus was not saying that we are, as we observe other people, we relate to other people, we see their lives. He was not saying that we should never form an opinion or an assessment of somebody's life or their actions in any way. The word interpreted from the original Greek here as judge has the meaning of to try or condemn or to punish. So this judgment that he's speaking of is A judgment of, you know, you're guilty. Judgment of condemnation. And so we need to realize that the context here that Jesus was speaking of was the act of a self-righteous condemnation. Pronouncing condemnation on another person. And if you look up the word condemn or condemnation, it is closely related to the word damn, which is you know, to you know, damn somebody to eternal judgment. And so Jesus wasn't saying that we have no right to ever evaluate someone else in the light of Scripture, or to raise some concern about their life. In fact, if you look in verse 5, it's clear that Jesus' goal was not that we would ignore one another's faults, but rather that when we see a fault in our brother or sister, that in a careful and proper way, that fault is taken care of, it's gotten rid of. This passage isn't about ignoring faults or sins, so so judge not doesn't mean to ignore, but it's about doing it properly in our own life, as well as assisting our brothers and sisters in the Lord to cleanse their lives as well. There's four themes that I'd like to look at this morning that I see in these verses. First of all, the, the subject of the illustration that Jesus used, the subject of the eye. Do you ever consider how interesting it is that Jesus used the eye as the illustration in this passage? Of all the parts of our body, the eye is one of the most, if not the most, sensitive. Uh, I've worn contact lenses for over 20 years, and I can, stick, I can stand up here and stick my finger in my eye and rub it around and it doesn't bother me. But unless you're used to that, anything that comes near your eye, you have an instant reaction. That eye shuts. There's, there's an extreme sensitivity there. We guard and protect our eyes probably more than any other member of the body. You know, it doesn't take much of emotion until we shut our eyes or we turn our head rapidly. It's, it's, it's to protect that sensitive part of the body. Our eyes are one of the most precious physical assets of the body as well. And all of this makes the eye an extremely good illustration for this. Because just as the eye is sensitive to some foreign object, so we ourselves are sensitive when it comes to Someone else, or the Holy Spirit, pointing out some sin or some fault within our lives. You know, we do the same thing. We we want to blink. We want to turn away. We don't want to consider that there might really be a problem in my life. If we ever get anything in our eye, it very quickly becomes of utmost importance that we get it out. It's usually very uncomfortable. And it's also of utmost importance that when that foreign object is removed, that the procedure is done carefully and properly. Uh, you know, if you get something in your eye, you don't just say, well, you know, I've got a little something in my eye, let's take this stick and see if I can scrape it out. You know, we proceed carefully. We use the proper tools. And in the same way, when we're dealing with personal faults or sins, it's critical, that we proceed properly and do it in a way that will bring about the right results. Another thing I'd like to look at, the second thing or theme, is the theme of hypocrisy. Jesus talks about this person who has this beam or this big foreign object, this big chunk of something in their eye offering to remove the speck from their friend's eye. And he says, you you hypocrite. Hypocrisy is feigning to be what one is not. So that person with that beam in their eye is feigning to be able to see clearly to remove the speck out of the other person's eye. And that's pretty easy for us to imagine that example and see the hypocrisy in it. But like I said in the in the opening If we're all honest with ourselves, we're going to admit that there's been many times in our lives where we have been that person with the beam in our eye pointing at somebody with the speck, being critical of a brother or sister in the church. And you know... It's a well-known human tendency to be aware of the faults and failures of others, but yet blind to the faults and fail- failures in my life. It's also a known and observed fact that people tend to be sensitive, of don't read too much into this because it's, this is a, somewhat of a general term, but it is an observed and documented fact that people tend to be sensitive to faults of others that are areas of struggle or weakness in their own life. For example, a person who struggles with anger may be especially prone to recognize the problem of anger and their brother. For some reason, it's easy for us to see that problem in somebody else when we're looking from a distance, but when it's in our own life, we we can't see it. We overlook it. then in our eagerness to help that brother or that sister we become the hypocrite that Jesus speaks of here so one of the most important lessons to learn here is is the need to carefully examine our own lives to clear ourselves of any faults or sins before we rush out to help and to criticize others. So, how do we do that? How do we make sure that we are prepared to assist someone who might have a moat in their eye? How do we properly prepare ourselves? First of all, we need to own up to the fact that none of us are completely free from faults. We're never going to be perfect in this life. So the first step is to own up to the truth that we're far from perfect ourselves. It should come as no surprise to any of us that we have personal faults and failures, So we need to be honestly humble. We need to see ourselves for who we are. We tend to develop a self-righteous opinion of, of ourselves. And then when we see a fault in someone else, we judge according to the self-righteous opinion that I hold of myself. Think of Jesus' example of the Pharisee and the publican, the, the, the prayer of the Pharisee and the publican. That Pharisee stood and prayed, and he said, God, I thank thee that I am not as other men are. He was judging other men according to the self-righteous opinion he had of himself. He says extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this publican. And you know, we look at that account and we look at the, the, that Pharisee in his prayer, and it's easy to see the beam that that man had in his eye. You know, it was it was sticking out. he couldn't see it because his his basis for judgment was self so we need to be we need to recognize who we are and where we stand ourselves Along with that, there's another thing that we tend to do when we see a fault in others. We tend to glory in it, and that's what this Pharisee was doing. He was glorying in the fact that there were other people that were worse than he was. And we also tend to gossip about it. Now, those two things might seem a little strange to do when we see a fault in someone else. But the reason we do it is that if we see a fault in someone else, we glory in it because it lifts us up a notch or two in our eyes, and lowers the other person. If someone else has a fault and I don't, that elevates my self-esteem and knocks them down a little. And so it's, it's elevating self. the next step then is gossip and what that does is it does the same thing in someone else's mind so rather than just in your own mind raising yourself up and knocking the other person down you're going to your friend and doing the same thing to that person to your friend it's about self-promotion it's about establishing a pecking order. It's 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 about self. And if we're honest, we've all done it. So we need to examine our own lives and be honest and humble. With ourselves if we're going to avoid hypocrisy. As I said, we need to recognize who we are, where we stand, that we are far from perfect, that we do all have needs in our own lives. And the next theme I'd like to look at is the theme of self-examination. A lot of these kind of tie together. But Jesus makes it clear here in Matthew 7 that self-examination is critical. If we are not accurately examining and taking care of the things in our own lives, we're in no position to help someone else. As we think about self-examination my mind went to jeremiah 17:9 where it says the heart is deceitful above all things and desperately wicked who can know it our hearts will lead us astray i've said before that our heart our own selfish will has no regard for our eternal destiny It's concerned about the here and now. And so our heart will lead us astray without open, honest self-examination. If Satan is a deceiver from the beginning, and so anytime we allow anything in our life, that is from him our lives are on the road to deception and so if, if I'm allowing anything in my life that is not from God I am being deceived in some way by Satan that's why the heart is, is deceitful we want things that we shouldn't have. We want the things that Satan offers. And it leads to deception. So how do we examine ourselves? Again, we need to be open and honest. Our minds at times we'll connive and scheme to get what our flesh and our sinful nature desires. But as we come to this point of self-examination, we need to ask ourselves, am I being completely honest with myself? Am I willing to give up whatever it takes to, to be completely clear, to get that beam or that speck out of my own eye. We also need to use the scriptures to assess our lives. God's given us his word as the guide and direction for our lives. We need to consider, am I I willing and am I following completely what God has revealed to me from his word? You know, at times we can try to water down something from the word or explain why that doesn't apply to me. But that's not being fully obedient to what God has revealed. So we need to honestly assess our lives in light of Scripture. We also need to be open to the Holy Spirit speaking in our lives. The Spirit often will make us aware of things in our lives that need attention. We may have conviction brought through a message, through reading the Word, or just something that comes to your mind that all of a sudden you realize that, you know, God's speaking to me about that. I need to deal with that issue. The Spirit is faithful. When the Spirit speaks, we need to quickly listen and obey. If we quench the Spirit's voice, that voice will become quieter in our lives. Romans 1 tells about those who profess to know God, yet refuse to obey and honor him. And do you know what happened? It says that God gave them over to a reprobate mind. God's spirit eventually quit speaking, and he just let them go. So when we reject the promptings of the Spirit, we're we're deadening the voice of the Spirit in our lives. So it's always important to be mindful of the Spirit if we want to be successful in examining ourselves. I challenge you on on this examination of yourself to take time alone to pray and to ask this God through his spirit to speak to you about the condition of your heart and about things that could be there that need to change. Fourthly, I'd like to consider the theme of judgment. I said earlier that this judgment that Jesus is speaking of is a judgment of condemnation. But did you know we're called in Scripture to make judgments of other people? One is later in this chapter here in Matthew 7. Where we're called to identify false teachers by the fruit of their lives so we're called to make some judgments of others based upon the what their life is producing but what we need to be careful of is that our judgments aren't our own they aren't based on Our opinions. Like I said earlier, we tend to base our judgments upon ourselves and our opinion of ourselves. What scripture would tell us is that we need to judge based on scripture. If someone is in clear violation of what the Bible says, we're not the ones making the judgment. Scripture is judging that person. We're simply applying the judgment that God has already made through His Word. What Jesus wants us to do in judging is to not judge in condemnation, but in a redemptive way. I call your attention again to verse 5 that the goal is not to overlook the speck that is in our brother's eye, but to take care of it in a proper way. So we're not called to ignore faults or sins, but to deal with them redemptively. Paul says in Galatians 6.1, Brethren, if a man be overtaken in a fault, You which are spiritual, restore such an one in the spirit of meekness, considering thyself, lest thou also be tempted. Right here tells us a lot about how to deal with someone who has that moat or speck in their eye. It needs to be dealt with by those who are spiritual, those who are sensitive to their own need. It needs to be done in meekness, realizing that we all have faults and flaws. It also needs to be done with an awareness of our own inclination to fall into sin. Here in Galatians 6, it would seem to indicate that even in dealing and helping someone else with their struggle, we are putting ourselves in a position where we may be tempted in the same thing that we are trying to help them with. And also, notice there in Galatians 6 that the purpose of addressing our brother's faults is to restore, not for judgment, not for condemnation. It says, Restore such an one. So what is the first step in being redemptive and dealing with someone else's faults? The first step is to deal with your own issues, your own problems. Even if that means that I have to undergo a difficult and painful experience to get the beam out of my eye, That has to be done first. You know, sometimes the procedure to remove a foreign object out of your eye can create temporarily more pain and discomfort. But yet we're willing to undergo it because we want to be free of of that problem in our eye. And so I ask, are we willing to undergo some personal discomfort as we examine ourselves? Because we know the end result of having a clear conscience is is worth the pain and discomfort that we may experience today. Our goal should be to have our lives clear before God so that we can bring him glory and so that we can be useful in his kingdom. That's where this thing of helping our brother see the speck in his eye is so important. Is it's all a part of us working in God's kingdom. It's about assisting one another in the process of removing defilements. You know, we all have faults, as I said before. We all at times have a moat or even a beam in our own eye. And so now's the opportunity to search your own life and to humbly recognize if you have something in your eye that needs removed. so that then you can later maybe be an assistance to someone else who has a need and so as you examine yourself if the surgery is too much on your own seek the help of a spiritual brother or sister to assist in the delicate operation of removing that mote from your eye the important thing is that we get it done we get the contamination cleared up and removed then we can help others and you know when when i help my brother to see a problem in his eye then he has a clear eye and he can see my problems and help me it's all a mutually beneficial time a mutually beneficial experience for the church. So when approached properly, it's mutually beneficial where we're all striving for the same thing, a pure and a holy life. So let's examine ourselves Let's get rid of the moats and the beams. Let's not be judgmental of one another. But where we need help, let's be willing to, without judgment, without condemning judgment, give help and assistance to our brothers and our sisters. And let's be willing to accept help from those who see more clearly than I see So may we we all be open and honest as we examine our lives prior to our communion service. And let's all strive to always deal redemptively with others who may have, have a fault that needs clearing. Our goal should be the promotion of holiness in our own lives and within the church, the bride of Christ, who He is coming someday to to claim as His own, and so this is our opportunity to help clean clean the church up to to build build that beautiful holy bride of Christ. So God bless you.